And I looked out and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just say this, something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes. What could it be, right? I had an encounter with a skunk ape and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are gonna wanna come build this. Put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out. Put them out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn? Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Hello, 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 freaks and geeks, because I feel like all of you somehow fit into one of those two categories. I am Shane, along with my awesome, awesome co-host with the most, Ghost. Hey, hey. What's up, bro? Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, Back at it again for, uh, you know, the Halloween episode. So I've been kind of leading up to it. Uh, You know, we hit you first with uh, the Haunted Orphanage and Sam the Sandown Clown. And then we hit you with uh, the Haunted... Haunted Dolls episode. So now we have this awesome, awesome special episode for you dropping. You get two this week. You get this this Monday Halloween episode, and then you also get our regular awesome banger Thursday episode, which just a little sneak peek. It's a it's a sa- it's an interview about Sasquatch. So it's gonna be a really good episode. Just a shout out for all you guys. But you know, we're getting into the spooky spirit. So what what are you doing over there, Ghost? To get get yourself into the spooky spirit? Oh man, I live for this month. I love Halloween. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, I don't really do anything special now that the kids are kind of grown. I uh, used to go trick or treating with them, and I would put on a full ghillie suit. And I had this really crazy mask, and and I would call myself Hunchback Bob. And I, Hunchback Bob would only come out and go around town once once a year on Halloween when he was allowed out of his his small little cage held in the, uh, up in the wilderness on on the top of a mountain. I don't know. I just had had a lot of fun with it and scaring people through town. So make your own know. cryptid legend, bro. You just yeah, have to not basically. tell people about the story and then let somebody catch you on the side of the highway. Then boom, you have your own cryptid legend unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, boom. Oh my god, I seen this thing. I, I think I seen Hunchback Bob. It's the Gilly Man. He's a Gilly <laughs> Man. <laughs> I mean, as far as me. Like I got the young kids right now, so I guess I get a little bit more into it. I feel like I got more into it as a kid, just in the aspect of like, I feel like there was more ambiance to it. I don't know. It's just when you're working every day, you're not going to school where everything's like Halloween themed and shit. It's a little bit different, but uh, you know, I still got my my alien mask that I wear every year when I go trick or treating with the kids and shit like that. So you know, wear my black hoodie Halloween mask. That's how I roll, man. That's how I'm gonna be doing it today. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I don't I don't blame you. Um, I know I'm gonna. Just hopefully, I don't know. We don't, we live at the end of town where we don't like the sidewalk ends like at our neighbor's house. So people don't venture past the sidewalk <laughs> to come, come any further for candy. So I don't know. Plus, having two dogs, plus we're house sitting uh, my stepson's dog again to kind of retrain her and, and, you know, get her more disciplined and what have you. It's hard, I guess, when you're 21 and, think you need a dog but 
uh, you know, she's cool, but you know, so we have a puppy in the house along with, you know, two big dogs, but the two big dogs, they don't like when people come into the yard. So it, it, I'm kind of glad we don't get trick or treaters because holding them too off. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare because I have one's 140 pounds and the other one's 80 pounds and the 80 pound dog probably pulls harder than the 140 pound dog. No, dude, I, I, my dogs don't weigh as much as yours, but I have a pity and you know, he gets crazy excited when he sees people. So if I was trying to do handout candy at my house, dude, it would not go well. He would end up going through the door wall, not like in a bad, aggressive way, but just because he gets so excited, he just wants to like lick on people and stuff. Yeah, that he like, like does that little, he gets like all excited, you know? So like, it'd just be bad experience. I'd be trying to hold him back while trying to hand kids candy while he's just trying to jump on him and lick him and shit. And then on top of that, everybody has the bad idea of pit bulls. So if they see a pit bull all excited, yeah. they take it the wrong way, you know, and you know, not knowing, but I, I get it. You know, you never know somebody else's dog. You know, it's a little bit different. You know how your own dog reacts. You don't know how other people's dog reacts, but exactly. I don't want to scare nobody in, you know, the not fun Halloween way. I don't, I don't want to give somebody a heart attack. Like to think that their life's in danger because my dog gets way too excited when he sees people. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at, but I got, I got a young kid, so I'll be out trick or treating anyway. So I'm not really expecting yeah. to hand out hand candy quite yet, you know? Not yet. And enjoy that time. Cause man, I know I had a blast with it when with my kid, you know, it, it, and now I look back and it's like, man, those, those days went fast. And it's like, you know, one's in college, one's working a full-time job. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess it's just me with the wife and the kids. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe tonight I'll, I'll surprise my little new town with the legend of Hunchback Bob. Do it up, bro. I'd love to see it. You got to take some pictures while you're at it. Oh, yeah, little shout out to my you. daughter too. She uh decided she's going to be a haunted doll this year. So uh, kind of ironic with our last episode. <laughs> nice. Did she, did she? Has she picked one? Uh, she wanted to at first be like a woods enchantress. Like uh, I don't know how to describe it. She wanted to be like like witchy, you know, but like woods witchy. So she wanted this like green cloak that had like leaf looking stuff on it, you know, not yeah. like cheesy witchy, but like you know, like a like a woods witch, you know. And uh, we couldn't find a decent costume for that. So we were at Salvation Army and found this dress that looks ideally like a doll dress. And my daughter got all excited, you know, which we're going to, you know, give her pigtails, part her hair in the middle, you know, put the little like ventriloquist lines on the side of her mouth and stuff. She's going to be a haunted doll. So it's going to be good. (laughs) You have to give her a a unique spooky name for that, that outfit. She can be Susie. It almost kind of looks like the Susie dress. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, with the pigtails, too. Maybe unintentionally, man. I was already kind of gearing it towards Susie. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Ugh. Dolls are creepy. Dolls are creepy. I, Especially I know, she's uh, at that right age, too. <laughs> yes. You know, it, uh, I know. Uh, what the hell? I think it was Joe was messaging back and forth with me last week. And it was he. Oh, he asked me if I checked out this one movie that he thought I might've referenced in one of my other uh, shows. And I said, no, I said, I've been kind of deep diving on, on uh, Robert the doll. And he's like, who I said, America's most haunted doll ever. And he's like, Robert. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, fuck that. I don't like dolls. You can have all, all that you want. I'm, I'm like, all right, you know, cool. Thanks. But yeah, dolls freak people out. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a listener named Riley who shout out to him. Met him at uh, Bigfoot and Bruise, uh, put on by Eric from Uncomfortable. Also, shout out to Eric. Um, met him there. He's been, become a regular listener now. And nice. uh, you know, it's be right before 
the doll episode came out, I gave him like a little sneak peek because we were just like talking about what the next episode was that was going to come out. And uh, first thing he said was like, Robert the doll. Fuck that. I'm still going to listen. But there's not a doll that creeps me out more than Robert because my parents used to mess with me with that doll when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's crazy. So That's at least crazy. we kind of hit a note with everybody that maybe within one of those three dolls, we have one that at least creep everybody out just a little bit. So we're kind of, you know, amping people up for the Halloween spirit. That was the goal, you know? That was the Halloween spirit gold that we have. And yes, I said gold as in ghoul. <laughs> so uh, we got a little bit of front of the house business that we got to give a shout out to and start talking about. And what not a more perfect day than Halloween to announce this uh, little team up. So Bizarre Encounters and Inquiries of Our Reality are both going to be teaming up with a t-shirt slash merch company for crypto cryptid specific gear called Crypto Teology. Pretty awesome stuff. Uh, we're going to be doing some giveaways. Uh, we've already been talking about doing a November giveaway. So all the regular listeners, uh, keep your ears to the ground for, for announcements on that going on. Um, we're going to be doing exclusive collab shirts for this show, of course, and Increase of All Reality. So you know there'll be a little bit of us, a little bit of crypto theology, and there's going to be this awesome meet in the middle. And we've already been kind of talking about some possible designs and stuff, and there's some awesome stuff in the works, guys. Just get get amped up, get excited for it. There's going to be a lot more uh, going on with the show as far as giveaways and stuff, and you know, draw you guys in a little bit, give you some cool stuff along the way, and uh, you know, get to support another uh, small guy that's just trying to grow his uh, what he wants to do. You know, his his passion, man. Hell yeah. Um, for our listeners, because I'm sure there's listeners out there that are probably as retarded as I am. Can you spell that? Uh, uh, website like i had to have you do for me so our <laughs> listeners can write it down even though it will be in the show notes but just in case someone's you know just driving or, or sitting there and have has a piece of paper real quick and just wants to write it down and and, and look so it's going to be crypto teology so c-r-y-p-t-o-t-e-e like t-shirt o-l-o-g-y and I know he said that his reference for it was supposed to be cryptozoology, but he changed the zoo part to T, and that was his little his little shout out thing. So that that was kind of the intention behind it. I think it's a pretty cool name. It's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah. And there's some good shirts over there. I was scrolling through a little bit uh, with you earlier, and and I don't know. I, I like that. Like, there's so many to choose from, but uh, I, the one that bounced out to me was the uh, the whole Kecksburg the uh, UFO incident because I'm a Pennsylvania boy, and Kecksburg isn't too far away from where I am, and the theory behind it may be the, uh, the Nazi bell. So who knows? We'll have to dig into that one on a future episode. Yeah. But he's got some really cool stuff as far as uh, like location specific, like his main designs, I'd say, are he does these three, he has three series so far, and they're all like cryptid specific to states. So it'll say like, uh, you know, like that one, for example, and it'll say like the state down on the bottom. There's like Mothman, you know, and it'll have the state down on the bottom. Um, that's like his main series. And then off of that, he has some that are like band references that are pretty cool. So there's like Led Zeppelin with like the angel, but the angel's Mothman. Uh, there's one I saw from the Misfits and the Misfits skull is a Mothman head. Um, he has some movie reference ones that are pretty, pretty damn sweet. He has one that's supposed to look like Jaws, but it's the Loch Ness Monster, for example. Um, yeah. And then my, my personal favorite that I have to give a shout out to is one section called Crypto Bites, and it's just a bunch of funny ones. So there's one with Bigfoot. And he's eating a dude's leg, and it says uh, something along the lines of, like, don't touch my jerky. <laughs> Shout out to the Jack Link's whole thing. And then uh, my other personal favorite ones, and I've heard from Down the Grapevine that there might be two more designs added to this series uh, in the winter, but I can't give out any more clues other than that. But 
He has ones that are referenced to, you know, the cereals that we all love. You know, you got Fruit Brute, you know, all those ones, Count Chocula. He's got one that's Count Chocula, but it's Flatwoods Monster. He's got um, Booberry, but it's the Fresno Nightcrawlers. And he also has, uh, what, what's, the, what's the last cereal? What's the other berry one? The strawberry one. Strawberry one. Frankenberry. Frankenberry, yes, but it's Bigfoot. It's like uh, something about Bigfoot berry or something, but they're, pre- they're pretty damn sweet. If you, uh, oh, yeah. Even if you just want want a little laugh, you know, and just want to check out some funny designs, like just go look at him, dude. He's got some some pretty cool, like I, I dig the like pop culture reference twist with the cryptids. So yes. I pretty much saw this guy's website, hit him up, and was like, "Hey, I love your designs. I've never seen designs as far as like cryptid merch that's that original, you know." So you know, we ended up working it out and everything, and decided, yeah, we're gonna team up and build build with each other. So it's not like a normal sponsor. You know, it's more like we're we're just collabing, teaming up, and we're all gonna help each other grow because that's what's all about, man, is community at the end of the day. And the only way we're ever gonna get anywhere is if we all team up and we all help each other out, you know? Help out the, help out yeah. the little guys. Two little guys helping each other out can, you know, get you get you a little bit more listens on my end, a little bit more uh merch sales on his end, and yeah, benefit both of us and stuff and get to get the word out about some awesome crypto merch that I will soon enough be wearing on uh, you know, live feeds for BDI and stuff. So Keep your eyes out for those awesome designs. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm and just as a special thing today, because today is the last day. So everybody, if you're going to do this, you got to go. You got to do it right now. Uh, he's doing a giveaway for October. Today, I believe, is the last day to enter, like I said. So make sure you go and do that. Um, I believe on his page, it's you know the usual like tag a friend, um, all that kind of you know fun stuff. You have to go and check out the page, figure out exactly what's going on with the giveaway. And also, if you're not really into the whole giveaway thing and you, you know, see a design you like, you want to check it out, see, you know, how the quality is, see if you like the shirt, uh, he's got a sale going on again today for Halloween exclusively. And the code is for 13% off because, of course, it's Halloween. And the code is spooky. And just to be clear, S P O O K Y at checkout today only. And you will get 13% off of some really fucking dope designs. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh yeah, I can't wait to to rock one as well, you know. I I know I I uh I support a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show. I support his t-shirts and you know, it's always nice because, you know, he's doing his thing uh here in the United States trying to grow a little business and and what better way to do it than with cryptids and have fun with it. So, you know, guys go out there buy a t-shirt for your dad or, or somebody, you know, somebody in your family is in decrypted some way, somehow, some shape. You just don't know it. You just have to ask. Even for yourself, you know, if you're going to get one for somebody else, like you're here, you're listening to the show. Like, you know, you're in decrypted. It's just, you know, snag one. They're, they're pretty damn sweet. Oh yeah. But without that or with that, not without that, but with that, <laughs> we or will get in or without that with or without that, I guess. <laughs> and then where your brain's at. Gonna uh, get into our Halloween spooktacular. Call it cheesy, but I had to say it at least at one point during the show. (laughs) (laughs) So for today, with you for you, on the front end we have the origin of Halloween. But you know, if you're not interested in that, you may have heard that before. On the back end, we have some awesome encounters that have happened around Halloween. Now I don't want to spoil them, but when we get to them, we have two tales that are relatively known that we're gonna kind of bring the truth into and talk about a little bit. And then the one at the end was one that I hadn't personally heard about, about the origin of jack-o'-lanterns and the legend behind it and the folklore behind it. So 
That one's a really awesome one. Stay tuned. Uh, even if the beginning of the show going about origin of Halloween isn't for you, I guarantee you that we'll have some awesome encounters for you on the back end that you will love to hear. Absolutely. And uh, I got to say, uh, he snuck a cryptid in on me, and I, I, ha- I haven't read the show notes on that on purpose because I've never heard of this, uh, this cryptid or whatever you want to call it. So you as a listener and me as a co-host are going to be listening to this one for first time together and i'm 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 excited so i can't wait to get into it bring back on this episode the dun 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 but everybody knows they get more intense as we go yes (laughs) it's gonna be the ongoing joke on the show is our dun dun duns (laughs) thank god i'm not drinking for these shows because it might get a little wild with the dun dun duns get slappy 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 joe real slappy So, without further ado, I know that you said that you would love, love, love to read about the origin of Halloween. So, with that, take it away, my friend. All right, man. Yeah, the, the, the origin of Halloween, I mean, most people can probably guess that it, it, it has to do with uh, European influence, maybe some Celtic influence, Irish influence, uh, pagan, druid, you know, all that, all thrown into one, and then down the line the catholic church has to come in and make it something into themselves like they do with everything like they did with christmas like they did with easter like you know so some of this may not come as too big of a surprise but we're going to kick it off so the origins date back to ancient celtic festival known as Samhain or Sowen or sahan the celts who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of dark, cold winter, a time of year that is often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrate Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to the earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. For people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were important source of comfort during the long dark winter okay so you gotta kind of imagine what it was like back then i mean you didn't have the the homes that we have now i mean we're talking huts you know you're still building fires in your in in your house so winters were you know dark and scary for you had for to be stocked for that shit too like Very if you didn't ha- produce enough crops that summer like you either better start trading with somebody or there's no, you can't just run to the store, grab yourself your supplies you need for dinner back then. Like you're out of luck, bro. <laughs> Big time. And you know, it, you run out of food, you're going to die. I mean, it, it's, it's that simple. So that's where all the cannibal legends come into. And you know, native Americans with the whole Wendigo thing, like the whole mm-hmm. scaring people, like, you know, there's some truth to the tales as far as I'm concerned, but um, you know, there's a lot of them that are also seen as like mainly precautionary tales saying that like, don't eat, people otherwise you're going to turn into a beast because you know people need that scare behind it rather than somebody just telling them it's bad because they want you know everybody's scared of what's of the result of something happening 
So nobody's thinking about it in the moment. But if you scare people into thinking that they're going to become a monster if they do it, then they're going to think twice. If they assume that you know they're going to eat somebody and be fine and survive, then they're going to consider doing it. So, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff gets built up with winter also. But I just want to throw mm-hmm. that in because I love talking about Wendigos and Wendigo tales. So, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> all right. To commemorate the event, druids built huge sacred bonfires, also known originally as bone fires. This is where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifice to Celtic deities. During this celebration, the Celts wore costumes typically made out of and consisting of animal heads and skins and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. So you're kind of going to see a little uh, pattern here where the the, the origin of Halloween kind of started out as more of a a fortune telling and, and it still blends in a little bit to this day. So when the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening. And they relit these from the sacred bonfires or bone fires that helped protect them during the coming winter. By 43 AD, here comes the Roman Empire. Always coming con- in to crush. <laughs> yeah, coming in to crush it, you know. Uh, had conquered the majority of the Celtic territory. In the course of 400 years that they ruled the Celt- Celtic lands, Two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. Now, there is another one that we'll probably be covering in the future that people out there that are into this stuff is probably saying, oh my God, that sounds just like St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, that's what they did. They came in, they took it, and Christmas, and Easter, and just about every major holiday we celebrate. So there's that. So I won't get too conspiracy on that. Um, if you want conspiracies, join, uh, you'll have to listen to my show or other shows. Uh, this is more cryptids. So Hey, but um, when it comes to those holidays, they may be part of it. So no, I'm not saying we won't touch it, but maybe we'll touch it not as a whole thing, but as each holiday comes up, you know, we'll, we'll touch you a little bit of the history of each holiday. Oh yeah, totally. Because I'm sure I could find some creepy stories involved with almost all of them. But you got to start off on the origins, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to dive into some uh, Krampus. Christmas. Kramp. Yeah. Yeah, Krampus <laughs> works because we're definitely going to dive into Krampus for Christmas. Believe you me, there will be um, a Krampus episode. <laughs> okay. So the first uh, celebration that they incorporated uh, was called Feralia, a day in October when the Romans t- traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is an apple, and the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today for Halloween. Now, this is where Shane is going to get a little uh, sidetracked because I didn't tell him I actually looked up the spooky origins of bobbing for apples. So, So... Supposedly, the druids of the British Isles would force villagers to bob apples from huge cauldrons of scalding hot liquid and get their faces scalded or be decapitated and thrown in a burning wicker man if they refused, an offer that sounds way more hardcore than trick-or-treating. So that's just a little teaser. You guys can go look into it a little bit more of why it it was done for, for, you know, scolding hot oil and what have you because it does dive a little bit deeper than just that little nutshell but 
I don't know. I, I kind of believe the the whole scalding oil thing might be a little bit more more true to tell than oh, we're celebrating a goddess of fruit. Yeah, I like, would definitely see that one too because it would just be like a it's a medieval torture where it's like twisted, mm-hmm. but they're still pretend like there's some type of like hope that you can get out of it if you can happen to catch the apples. And maybe that's where the tradition came in of the whole thing where you try to like search before you just dive is because yep. they're intending to not burn the shit out of their face. Um, rather than, you know, kind of like how a lot of people do it now where the whole intention is you just dive your face in and then you find the apple once your face is already in there. And if my memory serves, don't hold me to the fire or the cauldron on this one, guys. Ooh. I do believe the apples weren't originally apples. They might have had to do with either an animal head or a human head. I would assume they were something you know. gross. I thought that there was a human head aspect to it, but I didn't want to reference it and be wrong. So, <laughs> so do your own research. I'm just going off memory, you know, I things that I've picked up along my way and my my journey through life. So, uh, you know, sometimes they come in handy, sometimes they don't. My wife says you're a walking piece of useless knowledge. So, I don't know. Plethora of useless yeah. knowledge. I love the terminology for that one. And I've heard that somewhere and I just I constantly say it. Yep. And then one day it pops up and it's <laughs> you're the one that had that perfect piece of knowledge. <laughs> exactly. Stored in the back of your head. Little golden nuggets. Okay. So on May 13th, 1609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs and Catholic feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs and move the observance from May 13th to November 1st. Okay, so got to go back to the November, okay? Got to gotta blend, blend holidays in here. Mm-hmm. By the ninth century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands where it gradually blended with the subplanted older Celtic rites. In 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic festival of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. So this is what I was kind of referencing in the beginning. Purposely trying to switch the day, too, because they don't want it on that day, because, of course, they're looking at it where they're probably seeing it the same way, that it's a connection to the dead, and they're probably looking at that as they don't want to be associated, so they move it two days later because they don't want people doing any of that shit on that day. Right. All Souls Day was celebrated similar, similarly to Samhain, with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and even devils. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows, or All Hallow Mass, meaning from the Middle English All Hallow Messe, or Messe, Messe? Uh, All Hallow Messe. All hollow messe. Okay, so you know, pardon my middle English here. Uh, <laughs> didn't grow up in the time, uh, which translates to All Saints Day. And the night before the traditional night of Samhain in this Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows Eve, and eventually what we call it today as Halloween. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems up there. Halloween was much more 
common in Maryland and the Southern colonies. As the belief and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, where public, or which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, and dance and sing. Colonial Halloween festivals also featured uh, the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. Borrowing from the European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house, asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young men, or sorry, take that back, young women, I mean, you could put men in there today, I'm not <laughs> trying to offend anybody, uh, but young women believe that on Halloween, they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties of both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the, the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of the Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. The American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to the early All Souls Day parade in England. During the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food and the families would give them pastries called soul cakes in return for their promise to pray for their family's dead relatives. The distribution of soul cakes was encouraged by the church as a way to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for roaming spirits. The practice, which was referred to as going a souling, was eventually taken up by children who would visit the houses in their neighborhood and be given ale, food, and money. So back then, yeah, children drink. That's the way to go, man. Don't you wish you could go house to house and collect ale, food, and money? Hell yeah. Fuck the candy, bro. Give me me some ale and money. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start off with the ale and then finish with the, the food and then some money. You know? I mean, they still kind of give money, but it's for UNICEF, so not not the same amount of fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Do they still do UNICEF? Is that still going on? <laughs> yep, that is that is still a good money laundering racket going on. <laughs> Make the kids walk around and collect our money for us. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, where was it? Okay. The tradition of dressing in costumes for Halloween has both European and Celtic roots. Hundreds of years ago, winter was an uncertain and frightening time. Food supplies often ran low. For the many people afraid of the dark, the short days of winter were full of constant worry. On Halloween, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earthly world, people thought that they would encounter ghosts if they left their homes. 
To avoid being recognized by these ghosts, people would wear masks when they left their homes after dark so the ghosts would mistake them for fellow spirits. On Halloween, to keep ghosts away from their houses, people would place bowls of food outside their homes to appease the ghosts and prevent them from attempting to enter. What kind of but food what, is a ghost eating? That's my question. I, I mean, I personally like a lot of different foods, but... But it's a ghost, though. <laughs> Ghosts can't eat food. <laughs> Neither would a demon. You know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> also, the masks, too. Like, that makes sense why the, the old Halloween costumes are way creepier, because they're actually trying to hide amongst the spirits. There was yeah. no slutty princess, slutty demon, anything like that. They were wearing literal fucking animal heads. <laughs> yeah. And folks, if you've never gone on the internet and looked up old, creepy Halloween costumes, do it because you'll be like, wow, those are way creepier than what we have today by a long shot. Because they had a purpose, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it's sure. just uh, trying to look the best, better than the person next to you. Back then it was like, keep them damn spirits away from me, man. <laughs> <laughs> and leave me alone, please. <laughs> but what about Halloween traditions and the belief that today's trick or treaters have forgotten all about? Many of these obsolete rituals focused on the future instead of the past and the living instead of the dead. In particular, many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday, with luck, by next Halloween, be married. In the 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss them into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, the story went, represented the girl's future husband. In some versions of this legend, the opposite was true. The nut that had burned away symbolized the love that would not last. Another tale had it if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night. She would dream of her future husband. Ooh, she's filling it with sweets. Sweets yeah. to dream of her sweetie. <laughs> hey, maybe that's where the term sweetie came from. Hey, hey, there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Full of nuggets here. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Young women tossed apple peels over their shoulders, hoping that the peels would fall on the floor in the shape their future husband's initials. <laughs> Think about how many times they may have had to throw that up in the air to make that happen. Like, fuck, didn't work. Do it again. Fuck, didn't work. Fuck, didn't work. That kind of looks like an A. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, I wanted a Z. <laughs> oh, Zachariah. <laughs> I wanted Zachariah. <laughs> oh, Zachariah. Okay. Uh, so they would throw these on, these, these on the floor to hopefully get the shape of the initials. Tried to learn about their futures by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water and stood in front of mirrors in darkened rooms, holding candles and looking over their shoulders for their husbands' faces. Man, women just were desperate back then. They just wanted to get married. Yeah. <laughs> now Nowadays, it's like, like good I'm luck. an independent woman. <laughs> Times are changing, man. Yeah, I mean, they're they're literally tricking them, man, with that whole like ring thing. Like they know uh -huh. what they're doing. They know whose plate they stuck it in, and then the guy finds uh -huh. it, and they're like, "Oh, what a coincidence!" <laughs> yeah, you're my sweetie. It must be that God spoke upon it, but you put it in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, other rituals were more competitive. At some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry. 
At others, the first successful apple bobber would be the first down the aisle. Of course, whether we're asking for romantic advice or trying to avoid seven years of bad luck, each one of these Halloween superstitions relies on the goodwill of the very same spirits whose presence the early Celts felt so keenly. So that's the origin of Halloween. At least from one view. Because I feel like oh, Halloween, yeah, one. it's one of those things that everybody... It was almost like a, like a group idea, you know? Like, everybody was kind of doing something around this time. And as time's gone on, it's almost like everybody's traditions have all kind of, like, came into one. Even with, like, the Day of the Dead in Mexico, like, all that kind of shit. Like, everything just kind of eventually blends into one as far as holidays go, you know? Yeah, especially here in America. But that's that's the beautiful thing about America is, is the blending of all these different cultures into these, um, you know, ancient holidays, to, to you know, to some degree. The only unfortunate part is that you lose track of like the original meaning of the holiday and the original meaning of the things you're doing because like yes. especially Halloween considering like somebody say that's extremely religious not knowing the meaning of half the things they're doing and realizing that it's linked to, you know, witchcraft, you know, air quotes, you know, may not approve of the things that they do on Halloween knowing the true origin of what it what it's supposed to represent, you know. Yeah. Totally. And there's a lot of a lot of religions that actually don't celebrate halloween is do uh like obviously christians celebrate halloween but is there still like that that subsection of like christians that are like completely against all of it altogether like they don't do like trunk or treat at their church like nothing they want no part of it whatsoever and they don't yeah. even want to like acknowledge it yeah there there are some subsects that that do not including you know. the like like mormons and like the ones that it's like become a full-on lifestyle but just like standard churches right. you know yeah there are some they're 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 not as common, but but they're out there. I mean, I get it. It, it is what it yeah. is, but you know, just just be aware of of your roots, I guess. You know, yeah. just for fun's sake, just look into things, man. Like that's that's what it's all about. You'll never learn unless you actually take the time to sit down and dig into some shit like this. You know, learn something and new I every don't, day. Don't want to offend anybody, but if you only read one book, you're only going to know that story. Truth. There's many many books out there. Got to just open your eyes. And on the note of books, don't judge a book by its cover. Had to throw that one in there. Because you never know what you might dig into. I don't mean that just in the metaphorical way, but like you'll start off with like a holiday that seems just light and fluffy. And then you dig into it and realize that there's a lot of like dark meaning to the holiday. You know, like you, you never know what a holiday could truly, truly, truly represent unless you dig into it. Just anything, man. You never know what anything could really represent until you really get down to the nitty gritty, you know? And like, hey, if we have Christian listeners out there, Look into the original origins of Christmas and Easter. They're not they're not what we celebrate today. So just just saying. And we'll definitely be touching those in future episodes. So if anybody's interested, tune back in on each holiday. And I'm sure we'll be doing some kind of coverage, at least for the first year. The second year we'll have to get a little bit more creative. But the first year, we'll do some origins for each of them. <laughs> but with that, now that you guys understand the origin of Halloween, we get into the back half, which is the awesome, awesome encounters that you know you came for. You got to do it in the true Bizarre Encounters fashion. And of course, hit you with some encounters. So, yeah. let's get into some encounters. <laughs> we got three of them for you today. First one, the Bunny Man. Now, this one is, uh, I don't know, some people kind of view it as a cryptid, but I kind of see it as more of like a, like a paranormal tale. Um, I think it just kind of gets like categorized in with cryptids for some reason, but like, you know, if you really dig into it, like, well, it's not really cryptid, but... You know, without further ado, I'll just get into it so you guys can start to understand what exactly the Bunny Man is. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, 
burn. <laughs> by the end, we'll be screaming like Rick by uh, Ric Flair, <laughs> Macho Man, and Ric Flair. Got to go back and forth with the oohs and the woos. <laughs> Hell yeah! But at the stroke of midnight on Halloween, a killer in a white rabbit suit awaits. Lore has it: if you speak his name three times, he'll appear. Bunny Man, Bunny Man, Bunny Man. Look behind you. <laughs> There's no Bunny Man. Ah, shit! <laughs> I popped him up on you, man. He's not here. <laughs> but don't expect to survive. He'll slash your throat and leave your body dangling from the bridge. You probably should have known that before we said it three times. <laughs> Good thing I don't live... Oh, shit. Yeah, I do have a bridge right outside my... It's on my property. Oops. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> Another rendition... The spirit of an escaped mental patient, like a lot of things, haunts the railroad bridge. He escaped hell, bent on avenging the murders of his wife and child, who were slain nearby. Living in the woods near the bridge, he killed and ate rabbits, wearing their skins and leaving their mutilated bodies hanging in the trees. One Halloween night, taunted by some town children, he killed and mutilated them, hanging their corpses from the trees around the bridge, just like he did with the rabbits. In another spin on the same theme, he's the ghost of an escapee of a long-closed nearby asylum. Dressed in a rabbit suit, he throws axes or chainsaws or hatchets at cars of young couples who park by the bridge late at night for, you know, a little bit of that (laughs) hanky-panky. There are plenty of versions of the Bunny Man Bridge legend, all equally eerie, making the one-lane tunnel of... Colchester Road, such a popular spot that police stock it out each Halloween night, chasing off trespassers, searching for a scare. Ooh. Ooh. The Bunny Man Bridge was featured in the Fox documentary, Scariest Places on Earth, and is mentioned innumerable times across the internet. The tale arguably brings commerce to the town of Clifton, tucked away in the woods between Manasses and Fairfax Station. Pre-pandemic, thousands came to the thrill at the Clifton Haunted Trail, which on its website featured a creepy illustration of a man in a bunny suit. But what's the truth behind the lore? Brian Conley, a historian archivist for Fairfax Public Library, heard about the bunny man all his life. When he returned from college to work in the library system, the haunted tales seemed to follow him. After several patrons asked him about the truth of the stories, he set out to find out. First, he delved into Fairfax County police records, searching for records of old and sensational murders. He wrote in his December 2008 paper, The Bunny Man Unmasked, The Real-Life Origins of an Urban Legend. He found one that might help account for some of the Bunny Man's background. It happened in February 1949 and made headlines for months. The gruesome slayings of a mother and her eight-month-old baby girl. The two were found in a shallow grave in Fairfax, after disappearing during a car ride with her husband. When the police found the victims in the shallow grave, the woman had been beaten and shot, the baby girl buried alive. The husband and father was eventually arrested and convicted and sent to a mental institution. Next, the librarian searched for any evidence of a man dressed in a rabbit costume terrorizing people in the Washington region. According to his paper, he found a gem in the Washington Post on October 22, 1970. The headline read, Man in Bunny Suit Sought in Fairfax. The story detailed the Halloween experience of an Air Force cadet who went parking, you know, getting a little bit of that 
you know, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, as you know, they would say in a clockwork orange <laughs> with a girl on Guinea Road in Fairfax. The military man told of a man in a white suit with long bunny ears throwing a hatchet through the car's windshield then skipping off into the night, according to Conley's paper. Can you imagine that, dude? Just somebody, you're just you're trying to get a little something-something, and then you got some dude that just runs up in a bunny suit, completely cock-blocks you, throws a hatchet through your fucking windshield, and then just takes off skipping. That's why I pack. Fucking insane, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the bunny man made another appearance, according to the Post, on October 30th, 1970. Neighbors on Guinea Road reported seeing a man in a bunny suit hacking away at a house under construction with a hatchet. Confronted by a security guard, the bunny man ran off. I really hope he skipped off on that one, too. <laughs> just imagine a guy in a, in, you know, like an Easter costume, you know, he just needs a little basket, just la 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 la, but instead of a basket, he has a hatchet. <laughs> I keep picturing um, the kid from uh, A Christmas Story in his bunny suit. <laughs> That's what happened to him, man. He became the bunny man. He was so pissed about that costume. His mom made him wear it. He was like, fuck it. I'm going to wear this shit forever. I'm going to become the fucking bunny man. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. More intensity. We're almost there. We're almost there, everybody. (laughs) Police investigated, but never found any evidence of a bunny man in the area. After a few weeks, the case was filed away forever. Who the bunny man was, and what motivated him in such a bizarre manner is still mysterious. However, the available evidence points to the October 1970 events as the genesis of the Bunnyman legend. And there you have one interpretation of the story, Callahan's paper concludes. The librarian's research uncovers some truths in the story that has become part of the area's folklore, and its creepy reputation continues. It makes you wonder what other terrifying bits of Bunnyman lore may actually be true. It's kind of creepy, though. I mean, if you're a serial killer or just some fucking nut job, what better way than a bunny suit? You know what I mean? Because everybody's afraid of clowns. No one's expecting a dude in a bunny suit to come freaking wielding hatchets and throwing them through your car window. Right? See, I still want to know when this started getting like associated with a cryptid, because like even you going in not really knowing the tale, Mm -hmm. like you people associate it with a cryptid. I think it's I think it's just the name bunny man because you know there's a lot of things that kind of sound like it but uh you know once you really actually dig into the story you know you realize that it's not a cryptid at all it's just literally a dude in a fucking suit you know there's not even really any folklore to it of it being some type of like human like bunny man at all it all comes back to essentially like a mental patient or you know some type of just drifter that happened to come through this town you know that was doing some weird shit with rabbits and that's where it comes in you know and like I said, I went into this one completely blind. I just read the the headline, the Bunny Man. I assumed a cryptid, you know what I mean? But it turned out it wasn't a cryptid, guys. It was just some fucking psychotic retard out there. More <laughs> retarded than me. In the normal fashion, you thought I was going to slide in a cryptid, which I would normally do. But I, I got I to, gotta, you know, throw you off at least a little bit here and there, man. You got, I got to take what you would normally expect me to do. And then do something different. And that's part of being a good co-host, right? You never know what to Absolutely. what to expect from me. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So w- what do you think? I mean, you you did say it three times. Do you think it's going to come true? Uh, I really hope not. <laughs> that, that's kind of like going back to the, the old scary uh, Bloody Mary. That was yeah. the first thing I associated it with. And I assume that 
that probably got pulled into this lore and the three times thing wasn't specifically bunny man it was somebody that kind of spun the the bloody mary lore and candy man comes into mind too because i think you have to say his name three times and beetlejuice it's always mm -hmm. a combination of three ah but oh we're mocking the trinity Ooh, ooh. but one thing I, I was going to say, they all seem to be location specific, except for Beetlejuice. Yes, Beetlejuice was just a movie. I well, I mean, even in the movie, though, like it's not like you have to be standing in a specific place to say it three oh, times. Yeah, yeah. Like the Bloody Mary yeah. thing, you have to be in front of a mirror. For this, you have to be underneath this bridge. Beetlejuice yes. is the only one that there's not really like a say it three times in a specific place doing a specific thing. It's just wherever the fuck yeah. you are, you say it and Beetlejuice comes. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Ah, there he is. <laughs> just, just a dude with green hair pops up behind you. Bro, I, I wrote shit in my pants. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I guess they're remaking it. Beetlejuice? I think so. I thought it was... Uh, I think they're making a sequel because I believe that it's the same yeah, actors maybe in it's it. A sequel. Yeah, maybe it is a sequel. I know Cro that it's one of the two. <laughs> Cross my fingers it doesn't tank because it seems like when they try to bring back sequels years later, it's either really good, like Alien, Alien Covenant, Prometheus, fucking amazing. More often than not, 90% of the time, bomb. I'm sorry, but bomb. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's like you still watch it because you're a fan of the original, but it's like one of those ones that it's like you love the first movie, but the sequels you don't really watch again. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of horror series like that where it's like the first one or two, that's where it's at. And the other sequels that come after, you see because you're into the first two, and no matter how bad they get, you're still going to watch them. But realistically, you're not going to watch them more than once. Right. That kind of. It, it's not really a horror movie, but that is the reason I got Paramount Plus was just to be able to watch the new Beavis and Butthead movie. And <laughs> it, it held true to to fashion of old Beavis and Butthead. Was it great? No. Was it Beavis and Butthead? Absolutely. You know, everybody like people ask, "No, was it any dead? Was was Mike, dude? It's Beavis and Butthead. Like, if it's be." That's all I have to say is it's Beavis and Butthead. You're either going to like it or you're not. You're going to get the dick j jokes and sexual humor or you're not. But I liked it. I was going to say, it's like Beavis and Butthead in a good way. Because I don't want to start off not think, saying it in a good way. They're like a one-trick pony, but yes. in a good way. You know, in like a nostalgic way. That's what it comes down to. Where it's like you wouldn't even want them to be different. You know, you wouldn't want them to build no, on it. You'd want that nostalgia teenagers. with that, you know? They just want to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to, listen to some rock. <laughs> Am I Beavis? Need more TP for my bungholo. Yes. I am the great Cornholio. <laughs> so with the great Cornholio, I think it's about time that we get into the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. Yes. This is this is a great legend because I think it's it's just one of those stories that you grow up hearing on Halloween. And it, and to to be honest, it it's like a true only in America, Halloween story. You know what I mean? Like this didn't originate somewhere else and get passed down through folk folklore. It got passed down through American history and tales and America. The folklore. American ghost story. Like, yeah, not just like it's it's the like I believe. Uh, yeah, it's it's not believe it, it is. It was like the first American ghost story. Yes. Yep. So. So with that, we have to you know spread some truth on it because just like Halloween, just like Bunny Man, what we're doing here today is bringing some clarity to all of this lore and trying to just get down to the nitty-gritty of it so you can figure out where all the lore came from and you can kind of make your own decisions on what's real part of the lore and what's just some things that have been made up over time. 
I did I did enjoy the movies though that they did make of the Headless Horseman or Sleepy Hollow. I think Johnny Depp was in one. Yeah, ago. I was going to shout out to that one. That was probably one of my. I don't know how many variations there are, but I really really like that version. I like mm-hmm. the like dark ambiance to like anything you know, and that like eighteen hundreds kind of dark ambiance. Like I dig it, you know. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That it's easy to uh, to make it spooky in that era, era of time. Okay, so we're gonna get into the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. Washington Irving's 1820 tale of a headless horseman who terrorized the real-life village of Sleepy Hollow is considered one of America's first ghost stories and one of its scariest. Dun-dun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It hit, hit me hard here tonight. You hit me hard. Washington Irving's 1820 tale of a headless horseman who terrorized the real-life village of Sleepy Hollow is considered one of America's first ghost stories and one of its scariest. But Irving didn't invent the idea of the Headless Rider. Tales of the Headless Horseman can be traced to the Middle Ages, including stories from the Brothers Grimm and the Dutch and Irish legends of the Dalahan or Gensian. I'm hoping I'm getting these right, guys. A Grim Reaper-like rider who carries a head. Elizabeth Bradley, a historian at historic Hudson Valley, says a likely source for Irving's horseman can be found in Sir Walter Scott's 1796 The Chase, which is a translation of the German poem The Wild Huntsman by Gottfried Bürger and likely based on Norse mythology. Now, I do want to say for one second, wasn't there a movie called The Huntsman? Yes, and it had uh, the dude who plays Thor in it, but I think it was Snow White and The Huntsman. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Because mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's that sounds like they made a movie out of that or, or based a movie around it. But the Huntsman um, seems to be a pretty common theme that there it's in a lot of like folklore that there's always like that Huntsman character. When it comes to like European folklore, I feel like yeah. that's like their warrior archetype. Do you know what I mean? It's like the Huntsman. He's the guy that comes in and he saves the fucking day most of the time, you know? Yep. Kind of like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Or there's the opposite side that the Huntsman's the guy that, you know, is the antagonist and comes in and hunts you down. <laughs> yeah. Off with your head. Irving had just met and become friends with Scott in 1817, so it's very likely he was influenced by his new mentor's work, she says. The poem is about a wicked hunter who is doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell as punishment for his crimes. Hellhounds. Coming back to that again. Love talking about hellhounds. We'll have to, again, just a little side note, do an episode on hellhounds in the future. That would be a really good one. (laughs) That would be. Uh, According to the New York Historical Society, others believe Irving was inspired by an actual Hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannonball during the Battle of White Plains around Halloween in 1776. Now, this is the story I'm more familiar with um, that I grew up hearing. Uh, not not anything that I had read previous to this, but it was always, you know, that decapitated Hessian soldier, you know, da 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 so Irving's story takes place in New York, in the New York village of Sleepy Hollow in Westchester County. In it, lanky newcomer and schoolmaster Ichabod Crane. Love that name. Me too. Courts, pretty dope. Yeah. Courts Katrina Van Tassel. Or, sorry, Van Tassel. A young heiress who is also being pursued by the Dutchman Brom Bones. What a name. Brom Bones sounds like a, like a bad guy name. I dig it. Yeah, or like a UFC fighter. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Brom Bones. Yeah. 
Sounds like a dude's so, gonna fuck you up. <laughs> exactly. After uh, after being uh, rebuffed by Katrina at a party at the Van Tassel farm where ghost stories are shared, Ichabod is chased by a headless horseman who may or may not be his rival, who hurls a pumpkin at the man, throwing Ichabod from his horse. The schoolmaster vanishes and is never seen again. Irvin may have drawn his inspiration for his story from a teenager in the Terrytown region. He moved to the area in 1798 to flee the yellow fever outbreak in New York City, according to the New York Historical Society. He would have been introduced to the local ghost stories and lore at an impression. I struggle with this word, folks. Impressionable age. Okay. Bradley says he he cleverly weaves together factual locations, the old Dutch church and churchyard, Major Andre Trees, some actual family names, including Van Tassel and Ichabod Crane, and a little bit of Revolutionary War with pure imagination and fantasy, Bradley says. It's a melting pot of a story and thus totally American. Franz Potter, a professor at National University who specializes in Gothic studies, says the Headless Horseman as a supernatural entity represents a past that never dies, but always haunts the living. The Headless Horseman supposedly speaks or seeks revenge and a head, which he thinks was unfairly taken from him, Potter says. This injustice demands a continuous search for a substitute. The Horseman, like the past, still seeks answers still seeks retribution and cannot rest. We are haunted by the past, which stalks us so that we never forget it. As for folklore mixing with history when it comes to the character of Ichabod Crane, the New York Times reports an actual colonel, Ichabod B. Crane, was a contemporary of Irving who enlisted in the Marines in 1809, serving 45 years. But there's no evidence that, that the two ever met, according to the newspaper. America's first ghost story, Bradley says, has endured because it accommodates the changing American imagination. It inspires people because it reminds them that there are still some American mysteries, some half-truths that may never be fully known. And that's the whole point, she says. The legend, legends itself, and many interpretations, and it continues to fascinate and terrify us to the best possible way today. So going from this, just my assumption, it was a made-up ghost story, mm-hmm. but it's been so finely pressed into folklore that it gets passed as true. But if you dig back into it, it seems that more likely than not, it was a story much like uh, another good example, um, you know, the Trojan horse. It was a story that because of passing through history, people started taking it as, you know, like a literal actual event rather than a story that was written for entertainment purposes. Yes, I fully agree. Um, and, and it kind of follows along the lines of, of all, you know, old nursery rhymes, ghost stories, and, and that nature. They're told on purpose to scare people for a reason. You know what I mean? Like th- there is a reason behind it and, and, you know, whether or not, you know, there could have been a real Ichabod crane or, or not, you know, who knows, but you know, every folk folklore has a little bit of truth behind it. I mean, just like the grim fairy tale is perfect example. You know, you learn in Hansel and Gretel not to trust a stranger in the woods, like a little bit of a twisted way to tell that to your kids, but it still gets the point across. And when it comes to, you know, Cinderella and stuff, don't treat 
your family or sisters or anybody like shit because you never know when they might flip back and they're going to take it back out on you. Because in the actual story, uh, they try to cut off parts of their heel to fit in the shoe. It won't fit still. They, you know, Prince figures that out. Obviously, it's not them. Takes Cinderella and then they get swarmed by birds That because Cinderella had that communication with birds and they all get attacked by birds and die. Because, again, they treat her like shit and now she's in a good place and now it's fuck you. Like lessons you know that are taught but in fucked up ways now we try to soften the blow back then they were just like here's a fucked up lesson learn a lesson (laughs) yeah and it it, and keeping with the the theme of our show um bizarre encounters and what have you a lot of sasquatch uh folklore kind of has the uh the same um legends to it of of scaring kids from going into the forest where the the woman of the woods would get you and and eat you and stuff you in a bag and what have you so i don't know it's neat Mm -hmm. so uh wrapping up the show today we're gonna get into one that's uh clearly like an urban legend but it's still interesting all the same it's about the origin of jack-o'-lanterns so for anybody that hasn't heard of this it's called the legend of stingy jack over the course of time folklore surrounding jack-o'-lanterns has faded from memory. The story of Stingy Jack is one of the most popular folklore origin stories of the jack-o'-lantern, which, oddly enough, was originally a carved turnip. It wasn't even a pumpkin to begin with. (laughs) Long ago, in a small village in Ireland, lived a drunkard named Stingy Jack. He wasn't held in very high regards by the townsfolk. One evening, Satan overheard stories of the devious deeds of Jack and decided he must have this fellow's soul. Jack may have been stingy, but he was quite clever. When Satan came to collect his soul, he successfully made the case that the least Satan could do was allow him to have a final drink at his favorite pub. After which, Stingy Jack left Satan on the hook for the tab. Of course, why not? (laughs) Jack suggested Satan turn himself into a coin to pay the bill, and they would be off on their journey to the underworld. Satan was fooled, as in many stories. When Jack took the coin... And put it in his pocket alongside a crucifix, nearby trapping Satan in his pocket. The devil begged and pleaded, and only upon agreeing to leave Jack alone for 10 years was he released. Exactly 10 years later, Satan found Jack stumbling home from a pub, because obviously his ways didn't change. A drunkard, always a drunkard. (laughs) With a heavy sigh, Jack looked at the devil knowing full well that he intended to drag him to hell. Jack made the request of Satan to climb a nearby apple tree to get him a final snack to eat before the journey southbound. Satan, apparently still not as clever as Jack, climbed the apple tree. While Satan was climbing the tree, Jack carved a cross into the trunk, nearly trapping Satan up in the tree. The devil begged and pleaded, and only upon agreeing to never take Jack's soul to hell was he released. Many years later, when Stingy Jack took his last breath and died, St. Peter refused him entrance into heaven for all of his evil deeds. Satan refused him entrance into hell due to his contract. In one final parting gift, Satan gave Jack an ember ablaze with hellfire. Alas, Jack was stuck roaming the earth and only a carved turnip glowing with hellfire to light his way. When Stingy Jack ceased to be, Jack of the Lantern began on Halloween night. Keep an eye out for the restless, wandering soul every time you see a jack-o'-lantern, for it may just be the hellfire glow from Jack's lantern. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know, bro. I kind of dig that tale. And- oh, yeah. I did know they did carve turnips uh, 
first. I did know that part, but but I never knew the uh, the actual like oh there it is uh, the actual story for uh, uh, the you know how it became Jack o' Lantern and what have you and you know Stingy Jack and he's so clever he he tricks Satan twice. Yeah, <laughs> apparently Satan's a fucking moron. Apparently, <laughs> according to most folklore, like you yeah. you can be like, hey, <laughs> turn into a coin. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> We're to pay the tab. Pocket. Oh, I trapped you. What's the end result of that, anyways? He turns into a coin, pays the tab, and he turns back into Satan, and they're hacking the same boat again. That the tab <laughs> isn't paid for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so regardless, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> oh shit! Hey, that that's what these old stories are all about, you know. Back in the day, hey man, uh, just let me have one more drink, Satan. Yeah, come on, I'm man. Just, I'm, I'm that tree. I want one more snack. <laughs> I like how he gets him stuck in an apple tree. Not that uh, there's actual, like, like everybody portrays, like, you know, the forbidden fruit as an apple, but there's not really, like, confirmation that it's necessarily an apple. But still, with people having that connection, I wonder if, you know, they purpose that that's why it was an apple tree in the story. Mm, True. Or, yeah, could have been, you know, Satan, the apple. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Just adding in a little bit more folklore, and that comes back to what we were talking about with the whole melting pot of ideas behind folklore. Absolutely. Got the biblical reference thrown into that one, too. Yeah. What was your favorite story from tonight? Definitely got to be Bunny Man, I would I would say, just because that's one that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, I do want to give that one just and do a full episode where we dive, dive into each of those stories. Mm-hmm. But just for like a touching spot, I dig the Bunny Man one because I kind of like being able to also clear up the idea of Bunny Man being a cryptid also. For anybody yes. that had heard that parades before, never really looked too much into it, and you know, now, now you know. Absolutely. I think what about you, favorite, Ghost? Um, I got to stick with the the all time classic, the the headless horseman. Ooh, I've had a feeling you're going to say that. Also, just because of you know your location on the map, yeah. you know, I figured that's the one that would probably hit home the most for you. So oh, I, yeah. that that was honestly the reason why I had to throw that one in there. That was that was a little shout out to you, you my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's. You know, I, I live in central Pennsylvania and Sleepy Hollow is up in the center part of a uh, center eastern kind of part of New York. So, yeah, not too far away from my home. Their own little Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What are we going to get into uh, later on in the week? Uh, this week we have an interview with, I don't, I don't want to give anything out yet because I want you guys to get excited and you guys got to come back and check out who the guest is exactly. But he's a Bigfoot researcher who has written a book and has an extremely fascinating tale about Native American ties to the Sasquatch. Mm, that'll be a good one. We had a lot of fun on that conversation. Uh, unfortunately, we're a little bit time pressed and only got to be an hour, but we love having him on and he definitely said he would come back. So we're going to try to do that. We're going to get him to come back on. We're going to give him a way longer episode, dive into it way deeper, but that dude's a plethora of knowledge, and yeah, you, you guys are going to love it. It's, it's a really good one, because yeah. we've been doing the deep dives here for a second, you know, trying to do all this Halloween stuff, building up, so in the spirit of, like we said, we want to do with the show, we want to give you guys interviews and deep dives, so, you know, after having a couple deep dives in a row, we got to hit you with some interviews, so we'll get, we'll get you oh, a yeah. couple there in a row, because I know some of you guys prefer the interview, so we'll, we'll, we'll touch a little bit for everybody, you know? Absolutely. And let us know what, what's your favorite. Do you prefer us to do interviews or do you like us to do our, our little mini d- deep dives as, as we do uh, here and there? You know, let us know. Hit us up with an email. Uh, you can find that at bizarreencounters at outlook.com. 
And also, while you're at it and you have that email, if you have any bizarre encounters that you would like to share, and if you would like to be on the show, you want your story read on the show, you want to record yourself and we can play at the beginning of the show, uh, you don't want to be known like I always say, I can change your voice, do whatever, send us your encounters, man, because we'd love to get them out. We'd love to share them with other people so that they can hopefully connect some of their experiences, maybe bring some more clarity to you and to them. So all around, just get your stories out, man. You know you'll feel better once you get them off your chest. So why not Why not a better place to come than Ghost and I to get your stories out? Because we're just two open-minded people who want to sit down. We want to hear you out. We're not going to tell you you're wrong. You know, we're going to hear out everything that you say. We're going to try to rationalize it with you. And, you know, we're going to try to figure it out with you. So, you know, no, uh, no judgment here. No backlash. We just want to hear what you have to say, man. So don't be scared. We ain't going to bite hard. <laughs> it's Halloween, so we got to bite a little bit. So yeah, a little bit, a little nibble here and there, you know, <laughs> unless you want to throw some candy, you know, we'll nibble on that too. <laughs> That's a trick or treat fashion. Yes. Either give, give us a, give us a treat or we're going to give you a trick. And that might be a very light bite. In a non-sexual way, in the most platonic yeah. way possible. <laughs> yeah, like I might nibble on the end of your pinky or something. You know, nothing, nothing. I'm not nibbling your ear or your neck, <laughs> unless you want that. Just kidding. <laughs> we're both we're both very uh, happy men with our significant others. Yes, but I, I would love to if I could turn into anything. I think I'd like to be a vampire. A vampire? Mm-hmm. I want to hear your reasoning. What's the reasoning for it? Man, you live forever. Uh, ultimate wealth, power. I mean, it's just everything. I'm trying to think. I don't think that there is a better answer to that. Because if you're trying to... If, if you had a choice, you had to become like one of the classic monsters. You're either going to be Frankenstein, so you're not fully there mentally, for a nicer way of saying it. You're a walking retard. Yeah. You could be a wolfman, but from the depictions of that, every single time you turn into a wolfman, you have no control of yourself, and it hurts like hell, which doesn't sound great. Um, you could be a mummy, which means that you'd be dead, which doesn't sound great. Well, I mean, a vampire is still dead, but you know, you're decaying dead. So that doesn't sound great. And you Um, don't move very fast. Yeah. And you also don't move very fast. Same with the zombie. You don't want to be a fucking zombie because you're falling apart. Your brain's not where it's at. Like I'm trying to, is there any monsters where you can rationally be a living thing and be a monster other than a vampire? I don't, I don't think so. Or, or an undead living thing. Yeah. No vampire. Unless you're some type of like witcher warlock, but that's kind of going into a whole other aspect of things. But well, yeah, if you're a witch or a warlock, you're going to be fighting the vampires. True. <laughs> On the other end, I want to be a, an eternal vampire hunter. That sounds pretty dope. I want to be like Van Helsing. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Sure. I'd probably be the vampire because I'll be having to run from you the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd still probably pick the vampire. Like, let's be honest. I, I dig the the weird gothic, you know, ambiance to it. Like, you know, I'd fit in perfect, bro. I, I, I'd chill with the vampires for real. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> Do some, uh, I don't know. I, I almost wonder, you know, you know, there's the whole like adrenochrome thing, not to get too conspiracy on this episode, but it's supposedly having like psychoactive effects, possibly like, do you ever wonder if vampires get high off of drinking blood or if it's just strictly oh, I'm food? Sure. I, I'm I'm sure. I mean, think about it. If you eat too much, you get like a, a food high or a food coma. You know what I mean? So they just specifically go after certain types of people. They're like, that one's a meth head. Don't eat that one. That one's a that one's a pothead. Let's let's do that one. Oh, that dude's tripping fucking balls on acid. Let's let's go bite that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I haven't had steak in a long time. That dude just ate a big fucking steak. <laughs> You'll have that slight taste of steak to him. <laughs> yeah. You got to give him an hour in between so it can start to you know kind of kind of get into his bloodstream and his system. <laughs> 
you have a favorite candy that you look forward to eating on Halloween? Ooh, you want to get into this one. My favorite candy is exclusively only available on Halloween, or near Halloween, of course, the month of October. It's Kit Kat's Witch's Brew, which is marshmallow-flavored Kit Kats. If anybody hasn't tried them, they're green. Weird color because of Witch's Brew, but they're fucking phenomenal, dude. I love marshmallow stuff. So okay. extra Halloween spirit, my favorite candy for Halloween is a Halloween exclusive. <laughs> nice. And believe you me, as soon as that Halloween candy goes on sale, I stock up because <laughs> I know I'll have to wait till next year to get it again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just give me a whatchamacallit. That's that's my all-time favorite. Whatchamacallit? Yep. Candy bar. Oh, no. I was making a dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's and a I bad dad joke? Like, yeah. Candy bar. You know what's a bad dad joke when it goes over the other dad's head? <laughs> yeah. <Like> <laughs> Where'd it go? Way out in left field. <laughs> what, was that? what was that comedian with the little fucking dude? He'd go Rum! over his head. Jeff Dunham. <laughs> oh yeah. God! But I, I don't know. There, there's so many candies out there that I used to look forward to. Uh, I, I, I really wasn't a candy snob as a kid on, on Halloween. Now, granted, I wasn't always a big candy eater, but Halloween, man, I, yeah, I mean, I was a kid. I, I looked forward to candy. So, hell, I didn't even, I didn't even care if I got the, uh, the old popcorn ball. I mean, it might might be getting eaten last but it's still got eaten true there's this candy bar i don't know what the fuck it's called i know it's not around anymore because i haven't seen it since i was a kid i used to always give it out on halloween it was a type of chocolate came in a brown wrapper and i believe it had like red and yellow writing on it and it was just these like little mini candy bars and i i don't remember what they were called but i remember they were like the first thing that i would go for when i was a kid and i they was like crackle were they uh no, it it's something that's not around anymore. It's just some oh, like okay. random brand that again I haven't I can't even relate it to anything. Like I vaguely remember the wrapper in my head. I remember making that like my first option to grab, but I can't even fully place what they were because I remember them. They they weren't really around that much when I was a kid. Maybe like when I was like five, six, seven, but past that I don't even remember seeing them around. Okay, and so if anybody remembers a candy that fits that description, that was like late nineties area. Let me know, because I would love to see if there is that candy still around, but maybe it's just not popular anymore. I don't know. Hey, you never know. Our guests could, listeners, man, they'll they'll put their feet to the ground, their nose to the book. They'll find stuff for us. And that's why we appreciate and love all of you. And again, like mm -hmm. we always say on every show, we can't be doing this without you guys. Otherwise, Absolutely. we'd just be two dudes sitting in a room talking to nobody, which, I mean, I guess it's just a normal conversation. So it wouldn't be a podcast. It would just be a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still still worth the value, I guess. Still worth the time, you know. <laughs> but it wouldn't be as worth it if we weren't able to uh, interact with all you guys because we just love and appreciate you guys so much. And if you love and appreciate us back and what we do, go give us a five-star review. This show, uh, Ghost's own specific show, My Third Eye, my specific show, Inquiries of Our Reality, Five-star reviews all around. And hopefully, I'd love to get to a point where if we get enough five-star reviews, um, even if it's just one a week, you know, uh, read them in the beginning of the show because we'd love to give you guys a shout-out because that's just how much we appreciate you guys. And there's nothing cooler than being a podcast listener and hearing your name in the beginning of a podcast. And if you haven't oh, experienced heaven. that before, all you got to do is give us a five-star review. If you want to do it on Apple and leave a little description that we can read aloud, you, you will get that experience to be able to hear your Don't name on a podcast. Don't serious with it. You can be funny. We love funny around here, as you can tell. We talk shit half the episode. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be sarcastic and, and just be funny, 
As long as it's five star, don't care. We'll read it. You can even tell us we suck. We'll still read it. We think it's funny, but don't drop our numbers with a, with a low star. At least give a give us a give us. If you really hate us, if you really really hate us, give us four. At least come on, four. You can do that. You can find and that in your heart want, and soul. Don't want to do the review? Go over to Spotify. All you have to do is hit five star and walk away. So that's simple. Unfortunately, those ones aren't as personal, so we wouldn't be able to give you guys a shout out. But on another note, if you don't have Apple, you want to hear your name or you have something nice read on the show, you can even shoot us a message. We'd love to read that too, because uh, mm-hmm. we got a couple of them. Um, actually, let me see if I can find it. I actually had one that I referenced in the beginning of the show, Riley, but uh, I sent a message to Ghost because he listened to one of our recent episodes and sent us a compliment. So even if you shoot it over in a message, we, we love hearing it, man. Like it, it makes us feel good. It makes us know that what we're doing is worth our time and effort. So you know, just take that extra extra moment, you know. And I gotta I gotta personally thank you, Riley. You, you made my day. Uh, as soon as Shane sent it to me, I, I showed my wife. I said, "Hey, look, I'm a listener of the." Uh, the other podcast that I do, because she doesn't really pay too much mind to what I do here, you know what I mean? And she's like, oh, wow, that's that that's awesome. Somebody like reaching out, and she's like, that has to make you feel good. I was like, man, it makes me feel great. It makes me, you know, hey, I, one listener, great. I love it. So thanks, bud. Yep, and it, just so everybody knows, there's awesome words that he said. Loving the new show so far. You and Ghost got something great going on. Looking forward to more coming episodes. So thank you again, Riley. We appreciate you. And uh, hopefully you'll stick around for a while and, uh, you know, stick around for all of our weird, bizarre encounters. And with that note, too, also said him, any listener, anybody, if there's anything that you really, really, really just want to hear us cover, you want to hear our spin on it, our take on it, our shit talking ways on it, shoot us a message. All you got to do is just drop a phrase, say, you know, Mothman, say, you know, whatever. If there's anything you want us to cover, don't be scared. Shoot us a message and we'd be more than happy to cover what you guys want to hear. Absolutely. So with well, that, unfortunately, I we go trick or treating. Yes, I think we'll be leaving to go trick or treating ourselves. I might even, uh, you know, bring my own basket. Why not? Fuck it. If I'm wearing a mask, I can just pull off being a teenager. Maybe as long as I don't see the beard. <laughs> exactly. Gotta hide the beard. But uh, if you want to come and check us out, if you haven't already on social media, um, l i n k t r period e e slash bizarre encounters. There you will find our Telegram feed. You will find our Instagram, our Facebook our listening feed, but obviously you're already here if you're doing this. Um, you know, come come check it out, man. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Interact with us. We love it. Love to see you. We'd love to hear from you. Can't say that enough times. Well, until next week, well, stay bizarre, friends. Just stay bizarre. Have a bizarre one.